Hey everyone, welcome to the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. It's Chrissy here with Xander and Charlie. And we're going to be talking about the harsh realities of RevOps. I know. Yeah. It's a great role. It's a great career. It can be very lucrative and enjoyable, but there's some things about the role that are a bit not so great and pretty challenging. And so we're going to talk through those and we're going to give you our honest opinions about the it. Real time. Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Real talk, unfiltered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to talk about how to, you know, mitigate that. How do you get around that? How do you improve those things? Because they're, they're things that we can avoid or we can make better. Who wants to go with the first one? What is like the one harsh thing that is hard to get around for RevOps folks these days? I'll go with this one. And it gives me a really good visual. But that is you're always building while the plane is flying. Right. I think about these projects that, you know, whether you're in house or when we're partnering with our clients, like we can't stop marketing just to do a giant project that's going to take three months. We have to still keep the engine running. And oftentimes it's the same person that's having to keep the plane flying while you're also trying to improve the, the plane. There's this video that I have kept on my favorites list since I first started working in basically corporate America, but it comes in very handy when we're in mops. And that is there's a, a group of like 10 people that are sitting in a car and the car is driving down an air, air an airplane strip and they're on two wheels and they start getting out of the car and they start changing the tires of the car. I always send that at, at those times where it's like, OK, well, I need you to do this and I need you to do this and I need you to do this. And it's all around that like, we're driving this car and somehow we are able to fix the tires, change the tires, change the oil and keep the car running at the same time. And I feel like that comes in even more so when you start thinking about marketing automation platforms, yeah. because oftentimes you're also like building in a live production right. and doing your best to like filter out test records to keep things going. But you're always trying to think like, how do I keep everything operating while being as careful as possible to make those improvements and then also somehow find the time. There's a lot of context switching and there's a lot of differing priorities in this role that I didn't necessarily see when I was on other teams until I really kind of stepped into the into the thick of it. I yeah. want to add to the analogy a little bit because it's like you're trying to fly the plane you're trying to maintain the plane, but you're also trying to improve the plane, fly higher, fly faster yeah. at the same time, right? Or the car analogy, you're changing the tires, like maybe you're doing like a database kind of purge, but at the same time, you're trying to turn the car into a truck slash F1 car, you know? And it's like, okay, how do you balance all of those things, which can be really tough, especially for most teams that have under-resourced marketing RevOps. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of the reason why we also just feel like we're building while flying. It's never like this team's been massively resourced. So it's everyone's just like catching up or fixing and banding all the tech debt that was done because there was a lack of resources and they needed to have the quickest option first. And so yeah, it's just like kind of always been the case and it doesn't really feel like it gets better. If anything, I feel like right now to maybe add on to this is I think as technology has advanced, I feel like the pressures on operations to also advance at that level 
and people's assumptions that like things should, I mean, this will have to go with like another one of our points, but things should evolve and be easy to do. No, (laughs) like, yes, you can get a chat GPT to tell you a summary of like the best thing to do. That's not really that applicable to being able to maintain a market automation platform and or enable a team on, you know, a new process or things like that. And that's the nature of operations. And we have humans. Human beings are the endpoints to everything that we build. People sending emails, people fixing data, people creating a task, people then integrating a tool into another tool that our tool is connected to. It's uncontrollable. Yeah, if you're dealing with just robots and machines that you know are going to be, you know, you can set them to act a certain way, then it's it's fine. But we're dealing with living, breathing human beings that are unpredictable and Mm. can go rogue. And that's the added challenge on everything. I might add another little bit to the analogy as well, because especially if you join kind of a, you know, a series B kind of scale up type company that's been around for a bit, maybe had their Salesforce and, and Marketo for several years. What's happened, that car has turned into the truck with lots of pieces it doesn't need anymore, right? So you're, you're on two wheels, you're trying to fix some stuff, you're trying to offload out of the truck the stuff you don't need while turning it into a Formula One car and, be, and like getting it more efficient and working better. So that's a lot of complicated priorities, right? Like I want to improve the system. I need to maintain the system. I need to remove pieces from the system. I need to train people on the system. You're doing a lot of things, right? And like I said, under-resourced teams trying to do all those things, you have to ruthlessly prioritize. And then what often happens, one of the issues is that other people force their priorities on you. Like we have to get this campaign out. We've got to fix this thing with routing. Uh, Why did this lead end up with this salesperson? And then you end up just tinkering with small things and never quite getting to the big thing. Yeah. All right. The second one. What about Charlie? You take this one. Yeah. So this one, we, we, we labeled it as communication to leadership, but probably what it actually is, is that leadership doesn't understand what we do, right? What we just talked about there, you have to kind of live in that to understand how challenging it can be unless the leadership has come up through an operations role, yeah, it's not their fault, right? Like they haven't you know, experienced it. So they, they can be told, oh, this is tough, but they're probably hearing that from every team you know, in their company. You know what I mean? So they don't understand it, which then obviously leads to some of the resource challenges because they're not putting enough budget into your headcount and resources. And that can be quite a frustrating experience for a lot of people in operations roles. And maybe one other thing to say on this, the people who actually thrive the most in operations world have cracked the code of this of being able to explain to leadership the complexities align their work to the business priorities showcase and market kind of internally what they've been doing to get more resources so it's kind of like a good and a bad thing because like it's bad because you have to do that but it's good because when if you if you actually do the work to really work on this area yourself you really set yourself apart you become one of the really strategic marketing and revenue ops people that every company wants. And you can do some really great stuff because then you have the leadership buy-in. But it's not like they just understand what you do, right? Like maybe they just go, oh, my engineering team's building the product. Like, I get it. Like they're building the product. But like, you're also building a product. You're building the GTM products. Like how you're going to take these products to market. And you need to explain that to them. Yeah. 
It's such a huge thing. Like I can think it can make and break like a whole team, like just having that leader who understands how important the role is, but also how much there needs to be done. And that's kind of the the nature of it. But I think the importance part, I think, is really key. And also how to best leverage the operations team the right way. Some leaders just don't understand that. They're just like, oh, we'll just put these people work on campaigns and, you know, whatever. And then the moment they actually need something more advanced, like with reporting, analytics, anything like that, they're like, can you just go figure this out for me? You know, and it's just like, that's not really how it works, you know. <laughs> and so it's always just like a team who's constantly on fire and trying to then figure out what to do, but they've never been in the position to build the infrastructure to actually do those things. It's always when there's just this immediate need. Can I say one thing before we move on to the last one? Yeah. Because we're hiring right now, it's kind of top of mind for me. I think if if you really want to set yourself apart as a marketing or revenue ops person, one just like really easy kind of way to understand if you're excelling in this is like how often is a C-suite or you know maybe if you don't have a CMO or a CRO like VP or like kind of the head of how often are they asking you for stuff how often are they going can you help me build the board deck how often are they going can you help me build out like help me figure out i've got this decision i'm trying to make can you help me get the data for it and especially when you get into a bigger company this gets more and more important where you might be several layers removed but if they're coming to you and you're really their kind of right hand person helping them you're doing great because that's what really operations people should be striving for is like being a real good partner to the executives and helping them make decisions, helping them build a better business. So if you're not there yet, you know, don't be discouraged, like try and figure out how can you provide value to the executives? How can you kind of offer up your services? If they've got presentations, they've got board decks, you know, we've done podcasts on this before. The love language to them is like, data and analytics, right? Because a lot of their job is just like trying to make decisions and showing what's working and reporting back to the board and the CEO. So if you can be that person helping them do that, that's a massive unlock for your career. Or for their direct reports, I would say. Yeah, depending on the size of the company, right? Yeah, but I would say for sure that was like groundbreaking for me in my career. And I was like tasked with a lot of that reporting analytics very early on in my career, which was like a blessing, even though at the time I was like so overwhelmed and felt like all this pressure on, you know, would be up at night. But now today, like having gone through that pressure and also introduced to how you look at marketing early on, because it takes years and years sometimes of just like seeing the marketing, seeing the data, seeing the different models to feel comfortable doing it. But it's just yeah, massive boost. I mean, it helps you understand career. the business, like how yeah. it works, what they care about. Yeah. And that's really important. In marketing revenue ops, sometimes you can be a bit too focused on how to optimize Marketo or get this email out and you're forgetting about like the bigger picture. All right. The last piece I think is there's a lot to do in revenue operations, marketing operations. And there's probably like everyone's to-do list. There's always this like want to just get get the quick things done, get the easiest things done first, like go through that. But there's so much to do in operations that could literally fill up every single day of your work. And so I think having the diligence to actually figure out, okay, what are quick wins for the business that are going to really make a big impact? 
but then also what are the things that I need to build for the future? So having a mix and having a roadmap, number one, we talk about this all the time, but then two, having a mix of the type of projects that you have on that roadmap. So that could be like, you know, low effort, high impact things like these quick wins, but it could be high impact, high effort projects, like say like rebuilding your funnel architecture or whatnot, that still should maintain there and you should progress on. And, you know, there's a few things there where there needs to be a business need and pain point for that project because you could get some quick wins and it doesn't even like matter. Someone might be like, hey, can you just like go capitalize our first name and last names on everyone in the database? Is that the right thing to do at that moment? You know, but does someone came to you for it? Is that why you should prioritize it? So being able to know, okay, what's actually going to make impact to the business and line up to the business goals is important to your roadmap. And so, but the pain and need needs to be there too for the team. And then knowing that you have enough resources and time to do that. So that might be being putting up a lot of boundaries to your time. That might even be like, hey, every Thursday, our team is going to have no calls and they're just going to like build. Or for you, every Friday, you have no calls and you're going to do the reporting for the team and the CMO and it's going to be thoughtful and, you know, it's going to be repeatable and something that you don't drop the ball on. So I think having those boundaries, but also knowing that like, hey, you need to put the time in to build for the future and that'll help with like not always putting in band-aids and things like that. But also you have this roadmap of these big rock things that you did for the business that you can point back to your whole company and say like, look at this impact that I did look how I built this great infrastructure. But now the thing that you also need to balance too is how long things can take and build and how to communicate that out to the team. Because some people might say, oh, building a new funnel, that's easy. Just go and do that. How long is that going to take? Like a week? (laughs) Just put some lead statuses in. Yeah. (laughs) And no. And so I think being able to paint the picture of like how big that project is, What are the things involved without going too deep into the weeds? Like not the technical aspects, but just too much. But overall, like how much like you need buy-in from stakeholders, how everyone should be communicated so you don't get like down to the final like end of your project. And someone's like, I don't want to create stage zero opportunities for meetings. (laughs) You know, like that shouldn't happen. You need to plan and you need to get everyone aligned and you have stakeholders and you need to put a big team around these big projects. And that's actually something I would say, like if you want to get big projects done, you need a big team around it. I think it's very rare that you can work in a silo and get something really big done. That could be partnering with an agency, but then also having your key stakeholders really bought into the pieces that they will benefit from. And that's where I've I've seen success. Yeah, and so I feel like just that communication of like how long things take but being able to then have a team around it who like really understands your key stakeholders have, you know, the, those insights too is super important. And be okay, like communicating that to say like, hey, this is going to take this amount of time, but we're going to have this for years and years and years if we do this right. You know, if we build a good funnel and reporting model, I don't have to rip it out a year from now because it was crap and everyone realized like, oh, the leading contact method was not great for us. Let's do this other thing. So it saves you money and time just building for the future. Someone actually messaged me on LinkedIn the other day about, I posted about our custom object funnel tracking solution. And he mentioned that he had built it you know, in a similar way at one of his companies that he's been at for five years. And he's like, we've been using this for years and it, we have this consistent data. We've got, got rid of all like the 
overwriting data issues, you know, data retention. And it just made me like so happy because it's like, okay, they made the right decision. They invested in doing it. And now they're going to continually get the return off that forever. But if you had decided, oh, let's just get a quick thing set up and then you rip and replace it, rip and replace it. You never get those compounding effects of growth where you're really getting that value kind of long-term. So there's no kind of silver bullet or specific advice over choose to, to do this over this. It's more about trying to figure out for your org and think really objectively what's going to be the thing that we do just need to invest time in now that we can scale into versus, you know, what can we wait? And that's going to be different for everyone. But just taking the time to think through that is obviously really the advice here and is very important. And a lot of people don't. They just kind of rush into kind of the quick wins and don't think about it strategically. Totally. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for joining today. I know we talked about these harsh realities of the role, but there's a lot of amazing, great things about the role, too. And that's why we wanted to say, like, all these things can probably be avoided. There are these ways to prevent them from being a huge stress to you in your everyday and Hopefully you can learn from us and from these tips and we'll see you next time on the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. Thanks everyone. 